today. I was sitting here reading through a few verses of scripture this morning and the Lord prompted a few things on my heart that I just, it kind of leaped off the page at me and I'd like to share it with you uh, just for a few moments, maybe by way of a devotion uh, or a devotional time, you know, just you and me. What a great day to be alive. What a great day to be serving Jesus. I pray that uh, each and every one of you are having just the time of your life serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there's many things that we could do uh, in the midst of our busy lives in, in the course of a day. But you will never go wrong. Now, now, listen to this because it seems so simple, but in reality, uh, it's a powerful statement. You will never go wrong by making time to spend in the Word of God. Because the Word of God is the answer to everything. Let's just be, let's just put it out there. The Word of God is the answer to all of the vicissitudes of life. The Word of God is the answer. It holds the answer. It points us to the way. And uh, we need to spend time in God's Word. Amen? You know, of course, not to earn righteousness, but because we love the Lord and because there's a hunger in our hearts and because this book, this Bible, is a tool that the Holy Spirit will use in our lives in our sanctification process. The Holy Spirit has tools. You could say, to use a crude terminology, you could say that the Holy Spirit is the master mechanic of the human race. And uh, yes, we are sanctified by faith and by grace. Uh, and the Holy Spirit, when he sees our faith in the proper place, and he sees our heart, uh, the Holy Spirit has tools that he uses on us. What are those tools? Well, Bible study, prayer, church attendance, giving to the work of the Lord, on and on and on we could go. We would call them maybe the Christian disciplines, and those are good things, and they're tools in the hand of the Holy Spirit to make you and I the Christians that we need to be as we live our life for the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I said this morning, I was just reading through a few verses of Scripture, and uh, I'm actually only going to deal with two verses. Both of them are in the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. And I'm going to kind of break this down uh, into two segments. We're going to talk a little bit about the Apostle Paul. And then we're going to talk about how the Apostle Paul's words relate to you and I as we live this Christian life on a daily basis. And again, let me just let me just say what I said just a moment ago. The word of God is so rich. The word of God is so pure, so holy that we should just spend as much time in the word every single day as we possibly can. And I I know we're all busy. Okay, there's every single one of us is very, very, very busy in this hectic society we live in. We're busy, but we're not too busy. We are not too busy to make time for the Word of God. So let's turn to Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to read the first verse. And then we're going to go right over to the fourth chapter and read the first verse there. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Now this is very interesting because Paul is writing the epistle 
Ephesians from a prison in Rome. And he did not consider himself a prisoner of Nero, who was the Roman Empire, emperor of that time. He considered himself rather a prisoner of Jesus Christ, meaning that for some reason, for some purpose, for some design, possibly not known to the apostle at this time, but definitely known to the Lord, Jesus wanted Paul in that prison. Jesus had a purpose for Paul being in that prison. And that's how Paul was looking at his situation. He could have lamented. He could have, he could have wrote long phrases in the canon of Scripture talking about everything that he was suffering and going through. And he, he mentioned, he alluded briefly to some of that at times to prove a point, though, not just to be complaining. But Paul didn't look at it like, a, like this is a great inconvenience for me. I want you to think about this. The Apostle Paul is the great Apostle of Grace. The Apostle Paul was also called the great master builder of the church. The call of God on Paul's life. The responsibility of God upon Paul's life as the bearer of the new covenant. I mean, Paul was the one that introduced the depths of Jesus Christ and him crucified to the New Testament church. Paul is the one that instructs us through the Holy Spirit. He instructs us how to live for Jesus Christ by faith and by grace. The responsibility was staggering. And you could imagine, I'm sure in his mind, he felt, well, I should be busy preaching and teaching and building churches and raising up more Timothys, more sons in the faith. But instead, I'm locked in a cell in Rome, chained to a Roman guard. And there's no evidence in the Bible that Paul ever even knew the reason for this. Paul did not necessarily know the reason that the Lord allowed him to be imprisoned in Rome under a demon-possessed despot, Nero. There's no doubt that questions must have filled the mind of Paul, filled the mind of his followers, filled the mind of those who loved him. Why would the Lord let this happen? Why would God allow this to take place in the infancy of the New Testament church? We need Paul so badly to be out here with us. Those questions were there. But I want you to notice again how Paul viewed the situation. He said, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. And as if his situation wasn't bad enough, here he is locked in a prison cell in Rome under Nero, who was cruel, despotic, demon-possessed, as if that wasn't bad enough, it gave uh, ammunition to Paul's detractors. You know, there were so many things that Paul was coming up against in his teaching as he tried to lay the foundation of faith and grace, that foundation that, ladies and gentlemen, you and I live by today. If you are truly a New Testament Christian, if you're truly a believer and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, then you are living under the New Covenant, not the Old. And all of it we get from the Apostle Paul. And if it wasn't bad enough that he had to be locked away, and, he, and let me say this, let me interject this uh, into this point of our devotion here today. Just because Paul was locked in a prison cell doesn't mean Paul wasn't preaching. He wrote this letter of Ephesians and other letters that are in our Bibles, he wrote them from prison. So Paul was preaching. Paul was preaching to the Roman guard. Paul was making converts of other inmates as well as guards. 
Paul was continually busy about the Lord's calling upon his life. And that's going to get into the second half of this devotional just a little bit. We're going to talk some about that as to what Paul said. But if it wasn't bad enough that he had to be locked away, now his detractors had ammunition to use against him to try and discredit his doctrine. And I, I, I didn't write this down. I don't have it in front of me here today, so I'll try from memory as best I can. But Paul squared off with a few different groups of people. Before Paul was saved, he was Saul. He was a Pharisee. He persecuted the church of Jesus Christ because they followed a false Messiah in his mind and they would not keep the law. They did not have to keep the law. So Paul, Saul persecuted them. And then one day, of course, you know the story, on the road to Damascus, he meets Jesus Christ face to face. He's knocked off his horse. He's blinded by the Lord and given instructions for the future things that he must suffer for the gospel of the kingdom. And that gospel of the kingdom is Jesus Christ and him crucified. It's faith and grace. It's the new covenant, etc. and so forth. And in Paul's teaching, in, in his apostleship, in one of the primary functions of an apostle is to set doctrine in the church. A lot of people today are calling themselves apostles, but they're not setting doctrine in the church. They don't have the ear of the church at large. So they, they, they may be something else. They may be functioning in another ministry gift, but not the apostolic gift, because that is a, is a worldwide body of Christ doctrine establishing calling. And that's what Paul had. At one time or another, Paul operated in all of the ministry gifts. Every one of them. And he squared off with several different groups after his conversion and after he had spent time in the Arabian desert receiving the revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ and what it meant to you and I as believers. He squared off against Galatianism. Galatianism that tried to, uh, that they believed, you know, that you get saved by faith in Jesus, but then you live your Christian life by law. Paul squared off with them and said, no, that's not correct. He also squared off against the Judaizers, which were interlopers coming back from the Jewish faith. They had claimed Jesus Christ, but again, were trying to bring the young embryonic church back under the law of Moses. And Paul said, no, we won't do that. He also squared off against the antinomianist or antinomianism. And basically that's a fancy word that means these people didn't believe in any law. They believed that it didn't matter if you sinned because grace would automatically cover it. And that's equally as wrong as trying to live by the law of Moses as a Christian. I mean, the Holy Spirit should be guiding our life. The Holy Spirit should be telling us what to do and what not to do. The Holy Spirit is our guide now in the new covenant. And there is some laws of God, but they're not laws in the sense of the law of Moses. They're laws in the sense of, if you do this, this will happen. If you don't do it, this will happen. That's So there's a difference in the way the word law is used there. But Paul... <clears throat> squared off with all of these different groups of people. They were his detractors. Many of them were known to follow Paul around from community to community, town to town, city to city, just to stir up trouble in his meetings. I don't know if any of you have ever had that happen to you, but I have. And so with all of this weighing heavy on this apostle, again, in a jail cell in Rome, under the despot Nero, Paul says, I'm not a prisoner of Nero. I'm not looking at this as an inconvenience. I'm not looking at this as though someone were violating my rights. 
I get amazed, amused, and somewhat disgusted at the same time at the way Christians today just cannot tolerate mistreatment. Oh, they have to tell the person off who they perceive is mistreating them. Paul never did that. Believers shouldn't do that. Paul never looked at it as mistreatment, even though it was. He never looked at it as an inconvenience, even though it was. He looked at it, and in other verses of his letters, you'll read where he said, this is for the furtherance of the gospel. That's all he stood on. That was his promise from God that he stood on in the midst of this terrible time in his life. Paul, the great apostle. Paul refuses to acknowledge himself as a prisoner of Nero, but instead he boldly proclaims, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ. There's three things we can learn from his statement there. There's three things that, while Paul did not understand the reason for his imprisonment necessarily, and he, may have, he might have had some insight into it, the Holy Spirit might have showed him some of it, maybe given him a word, about it without giving him the whole picture because as I said there's no scriptural evidence that Paul ever understood the whole picture as to the reason why but he, he understood three things and so can you and I today first of all he understood that nothing can happen to us as Christians but that the Lord allows it or causes it I want to make that statement again because that flies contrary to so much popular teaching today. But nonetheless, it remains the biblical fact and the biblical truth. Nothing can happen to us as Christians but that the Lord allows it or causes it. And secondly, everything with the Lord is a lesson for us to learn. There's a lesson in it. There's something that God is doing. Uh, I mean, even when you're mistreated, even when you are down, even when you are locked up, many of you today, you might be locked in a jail or a prison cell. Don't give up. God has a plan for your life. There's a lesson in this for you to learn. And when you learn it, the Holy Spirit will be able to use you in someone else's life who's going through some things, sometimes of difficulty, to draw them closer to the Lord. And thirdly, and this is a big one, this is a big one. Everyone is a prisoner of something. Everyone is a prisoner of something. You are either going to be a prisoner of your circumstances in life, or you will be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God. Now, are you following the train of thought here? Everyone is a prisoner of something. You're either going to be a prisoner to your circumstances, and you're going to bow down under them, and you're going to chafe under them, and you're going to complain, and you're going to have to tell people off, and you're going to have to voice your disgruntledness, and you're going to have to suffer under the weight of the circumstance, or... Or you can make the choice to consider yourself a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and I don't understand why it is. I don't know what in the world is going on. I don't know what God is up to, but God, there is a purpose in this pain. There is a purpose in this negative circumstance. Glory to God. And so if we will just consider ourselves a prisoner of Jesus Christ, a bondservant, Paul used that term many, many times in his epistles also. A bondservant, a slave of Jesus. Why? Because no matter where I'm at, Paul, Paul said things like, no matter what state I'm in, I am there with to be content. Now, he wasn't talking about Maryland or Pennsylvania or Virginia or Michigan. Whatever condition I am in, whatever my circumstances are, I have learned to therewith be content, Paul said. Paul said, I can do all things through Christ 
who strengtheneth me. And sometimes that means getting out of the prison cell or getting out of the dungeon or getting out of the pit or circumstance. But sometimes it also means just glorifying Jesus while you're in it. These are not easy lessons to learn, and I dare say that every one of us has had to learn these things the hard way in life because it goes against human nature. But the more we walk with the Lord, the more we trust in what Jesus did for us at the cross, the more time that we spend in his word and in prayer, the more we will begin to realize and understand these things, and it will help us greatly as we go through this life for Jesus Christ. Because, just because you're a Christian, doesn't mean everything's going to come up smelling like roses all the time. And you know that's true. I don't care how many scriptures you confess at it. I don't care... Just about what, you know, you try to do. There's going to be times God's going to take you through a pit. There's going to be times God is going to take you through a valley. But he does it to teach us. He does it because he loves us. And he does it because he's shaping us and molding us to be more like Jesus Christ. And it's important. It's also important how we respond in those situations. So I, as we close this first part of the teaching from Ephesians 3.1, let's read it again. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Paul was actually put in prison for the Gentiles, he said. And I believe, personally, it was so that he could articulate the message of the new covenant for you and for me. That we have it today because of Paul's obedience and because of the choices that Paul made to not consider himself a prisoner to his circumstance or to Nero, but a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we said that there were three things that we could learn from this statement. Number one, nothing can happen to us as Christians, but that the Lord allows it or causes it. Number two, everything with the Lord is a lesson for us to learn. And number three, everyone is a prisoner of something. You're either a prisoner of your circumstance or you are a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul was saying to us, in essence, the Lord controls my life. The Lord directs my steps. I don't know why I'm here and I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm not going to question the Lord. I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Paul turned his cell into a place of worship and not a place of worry. Let's say that again. Let's apply it to us. Every day that we get up, every morning that we rise. What a gift from God. And sometimes the things that we are going through in our lives and sometimes the things that we have to face during the day aren't that pleasant. Sometimes they're downright despicable. Sometimes they are extremely difficult, sometimes downright hard, painful. But if somehow we can draw down deep inside, if we can place our faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross of Calvary and allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and turn our lives into places of worship instead of worry. Turn your home <clears throat> into a place of worship instead of a place of worry. Turn your automobile, where many, many times, I, I think we all do it. I know I have many times been driving in my car and just thinking about all the problems that I was having to deal with. And But I have learned through the years, through, through hot tears, to turn that automobile into a place of worship rather than a place of worry. Glory to God. I'm going to say this. Some of you might not understand it, but I've been there, friend. You can turn that hospital room into a place of worship instead of a place of worry. 
we serve a mighty Christ. Who else could illuminate a cemetery plowed with graves? None but Jesus. Who else could put a gleam in an orphan's eye? None but Jesus. None but Jesus. Who can take the dregs and the wrecks of humanity and turn them into gospel giants and champions? None else but Jesus. No one but Jesus. And we can turn our lives into lives of worship instead of worry. Praise be to God. And that's what the Apostle Paul did. I don't know what problems you might be facing today, and I certainly cannot give you an explanation as to why every problem exists. But there's one thing I can tell you. You can either be a prisoner of your problem, you can let it whip you down, you can let it worry you and put furrows in your brow, you can let it cause you to lash out at other people and, and, and somehow maybe that makes you feel better that you could hurt someone else's feelings. But that's evil. That's ungodly. So you don't want to do that. You can either be a prisoner of your problem or you can be a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And with everything that's within me, and it is not easy, we need a constant flow of the grace of God to do this. But with everything that's within me, I am determined to be a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. And to give him glory in whatever circumstance I may find myself in. Praise God to the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I pray that's blessed you today. I know it's blessed me already. Hallelujah. I'm not going to be a prisoner to the problem. I'm going to be a prisoner to Christ. Glory be to God. And wherever I find myself, I'm going to ask, my, I'm going to ask the Lord, Lord, send the Holy Spirit to show me who can I minister to today. Who can I bless? Who can I help? Who can I strengthen or say a fit word in due season into their pain? Who can I take with me into prisonership of Jesus Christ, leaving the prison cell of problems and circumstances behind, and even in the midst of it, following the Lord in those trying times? That's my determination. You say, well, boy, you know, if you only knew what I was going through. If you only know the problems I was facing, you know, I, I don't. I don't know, and I'm sure they're severe. But you're not listening at someone who's never been through some stuff. And it's not easy, and we need the help of the Holy Spirit to do this. We need grace. Just like we need for everything else in our lives, we need grace. But this is possible. If it wasn't possible, God would not have put it in his word. And we cannot use our excuses to not grow and develop into this. Because those excuses will one day not stand in the face of God when we have to give an account. Especially when we've heard the word. When we've, when we've seen it, we've read it, we call ourselves by the name of Christian. So we, we don't have excuses. We need to open up our hearts, beloved, to the Holy Spirit and let him do this work in us. Amen and amen. Let's go over now for the second part of this devotional to Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> and actually, yeah, we, we might touch on verse 2, but I'm only planning to touch on verse 1. Again, this is a devotional message. This is not a complete teaching on these subjects. But I just feel the Holy Spirit bearing witness with what we're saying here today. And I believe it's blessing many, many, many of you. Let's read Ephesians 4, chapter 1. I therefore, this is Paul, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Paul considers himself a prisoner of the Lord um, because the Lord so willed it. And so ordered it. I want you to understand that we take our orders from Jesus Christ. 
And just like anybody who's ever been in the military or in the police department or anything uh, of that type of situation or even working any kind of secular job, there's times when we have to take orders when we don't feel like taking it and we don't want to. And here, listen, listen, there's times we have to take orders when we don't think it's right. And when, and when those times comes, especially with Jesus, but even on a secular job or in the church, when you and when, when your pastor has you to do something, the Lord doesn't want you to go mouthing around complaining and having a bad attitude and getting bitterness in your heart and defiling everybody else around you. We receive our orders from the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we don't understand why, Paul goes right back to the earlier step that he mentioned. I consider myself a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Again, this is faith. This is grace. This is the cross. Jesus made all of this possible for us. First of all, he made it possible that we would have a walk with God because of the cross. Secondly, he made it possible that we would have a vocation with God because of the cross. And thirdly, he makes it possible for us to walk worthy of the vocation that we are called to. You see, you are called not because you have a good heart. You are called not because you're special. You're called not because you have great talent or ability. You're called because of grace. Grace. It's the grace of God that gives the believer everything that the believer has, no exceptions, bar none. And I want to take a look at what the apostle is saying here to the church at Ephesus from his prison cell, from a situation that he potentially did not understand, but was more than willing to embrace because the Lord desired it to be so. You hear that? And I could go on and on and on and on, but I want to keep this brief and to the point. But friends, so many of the times in our lives, we really need to work on our attitudes. We really need to let the Holy Spirit soften our heart and make it pliable in God's hands so that he can teach us to react and to respond the way that would bring glory to Jesus Christ. Don't say it's not possible. If it weren't possible, it wouldn't be in the book. It is possible through the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God, we can learn these things. Hallelujah. It's not easy. None of us are experts at it. All of us have to have grace to walk in it. But let's look at this. Let's look at what Paul said. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. The word walk in Greek is peripateo. And one of the meanings, I didn't write them all down, but one of the meanings is to be occupied with. To be occupied with. You see, when God places a call upon our heart and life, it should hold preeminence in our life. Under, of course, our worship of the Lord, Jesus Christ. But in other words, we should be occupied. We should study how to do our callings well. Not just go out one day and run around and do stuff. But we should learn how to listen for the Holy Spirit's plans and priorities in our callings. So that we can do them well and, and, and uh, I don't want to say give a good name to Jesus. He's got a good name. But I mean, we don't want to make him look bad in the eyes of a watching world by being sloppy in the labor of love that we perform in his name. So the word walk, peripateo, 
One of, one of the meanings, and the one we're dealing with here, is to be occupied with, to study how to do your call well. The word for vocation is klesis. And klesis means, now listen to this, an invitation to the kingdom of God and its benefits, which are possible because of the cross. The divine call. So this goes beyond even the specific call of service that each one of us will receive. This this vocation, klesis in the Greek, is an invitation to come into the kingdom and come get all of the kingdom's benefits. That's why it's so critically important that you and I know and understand who we are in Christ. It's it's critical important to spend time in the Word of God so the Holy Spirit can show you who you are. You cannot minister to others. You cannot function in your call of service if you do not know who you are in Christ and who Christ is in you. Now, 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 you're always going to be learning. You're always going to be uh, in process. But we have to be growing, and I think that's the key. Growth. Come into the kingdom. Come appropriate all of its benefits. And I want to stop for a moment, and I want to say to you, every one of you, praise God, praise God, praise God. I want to say to every one of you that God has a purpose and a plan for your life. And even if today you're in a prison cell, even if today you're battling with a situation that you don't necessarily understand how in the world you're going to make it through, God has a purpose for your life. You're important to the kingdom. You were called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so don't you give up. Don't you get discouraged. You can bring yourself out of that. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. You can encourage yourself in the Lord. And God will send others around you who will bring encouragement into your life. But the main point that we have to do As we look at the Apostle Paul and what he's saying in these two verses of Scripture, is that we must allow the Holy Spirit to work on our attitudes when someone or something or circumstances put the pressure on us. We must not respond like spoiled little children. There is no more room in the body of Christ for Christians telling other Christians off. There's no more room in the body of Christ for Christians who wash their hands of other Christians. God is a God of reconciliation, and he wants us to learn how to don the proper attitudes of being bond servants, being prisoners of Jesus Christ, and learning through these situations so that we can minister grace to others who find themselves in similar circumstances. The call of God. Let's look at those two words again. Walk, peripateo. Be occupied with the call of God on your life. Study how to do your call well. Vocation, klesis in the Greek, an invitation to the kingdom and to its benefits. Possible because of the cross. This is the divine call to every believer. You see, when somebody tells you every Christian's called, absolutely. Every Christian is called to come into the kingdom of God and receive of its divine benefits. Whether they are called to have a five-fold ministry or not, if they are, uh, the evidence will prove that out. And you've heard me say this before, and I'm only going to say it for just a brief, you know, 12 seconds here, but there's many people that's called themselves into fivefold, and they should just be doing what every Christian should do. And I'm going to leave that right there, because the evidence will prove it out. Evidence will prove it out. Glory to God. Glory to God. The anointing of the Holy Ghost will prove it out, the fivefold. But every Christian's called to come on into the kingdom and receive of its divine benefits. Glory to God. Minister to your friends. Give them hope. Give them encouragement. Glory to God. 
Help to teach them the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, you don't have to be called into the fivefold gift of teacher to teach. You teach your family the word of God. Teach your friends. Teach your co-workers. But what we really need to learn to do is to don this posture. And I haven't got to the last word yet. Hold on. I'm almost done. We need to learn this, to don this posture of prisoner of Jesus Christ. Even though Paul was human, very rarely do we see him just going off and blasting his opposition. And i got to be honest with you, friends, being in the ministry for 36 years now, it literally turns my stomach when I hear other ministers complain about how they're treated. I mean, man, this is what we signed up for. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be Satan trying to block our calls. There's going to be Satan coming along and trying to throw pitfalls along the trail. Come on. Come on. Don't cry. Don't whine. Don't chafe under it. You're a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Ask him what he's trying to teach you. Ask him who you can bless. Ask him who you can minister to in these situations. Praise God. Let's read the verse once more. Ephesians 4, 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy. And that word worthy is just what we're talking about. You say you're called, act like it. Stop murmuring and complaining and whining all the time. Stop trying to think you should get to the end of your calling faster than God wants to take you there. Now that's a prophetic word for some. You're going to go through the process, so you might as well do it with joy. Hallelujah. You might as well do it with the love of God in your heart instead of bitterness and resentment in the name of Jesus. Walk worthy. Walk, peripateo. Be occupied. Study how to be worthy of your vocation. Study how to be worthy of your vocation. And the word vocation, come on into the kingdom, all of its benefits, possible because of the cross. This is the divine call. And the word are called, the vocation to which you are called, that Greek phrase is kaleo. Kaleo. And I want to read you some, some of the definition here uh, from the Greek. Kaleo. And um, when we see this, I believe it's really going to be a blessing to us. It's used in a variety of applications it's derivative of the word bid, call forth. A lot of, you know, when Jesus called his disciples and he gave them their fivefold calling, what did he do? He called them forth. They didn't run around saying they were this or that. They didn't run around saying, Jesus called me, Jesus called me, Jesus called me. Jesus just called them forth. Matthew, come here, follow me. Peter, come here. Andrew, come here. Bartholomew, come here. Okay, so that's in this word kaleo. To call someone in order that they may come or go somewhere. It, it's particularly used with an actual voice as a shepherd calls his flock. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, my sheep know my voice, and the voice of a stranger they will not follow. You know the problem too many times? And you know why sometimes it's easy for us to get to feeling sorry for ourselves and be down in the dumps and have the mully grubs and the blues? It's because we're listening to the voice of the stranger, the enemy of our soul, the devil. Jesus said, my sheep will hear my voice. They will hear me call them. And the voice of a stranger, they will not follow. Generally, this is to call in some way to send for or to direct to come. It's to call authoritatively, to call forth, to summon before a judge. Figuratively, it's used of God calling forth 
and depositing things that are not yet, even as though they were. Now here's another point I want to come to. Are called, Kaleo, Kaleo, Kaleo. God has put things in you. God has called you a thing that is not yet evident, as though it were. I mean, that's, that's the faith principle of the Word of God found in the book of Hebrews. God has said some specific things about each of you that right now they are not, but he's called them as though they were. They are there, but they are not evident. How do we get to that place of they're there but not evident? How do we get them to appear evident in our lives? We get there by understanding this principle of walking worthy of the vocation of wherewith we are called. Let's read a little more. Because this gets good. This gets really good. It can also be used in a sense of to invite, particularly to a banquet. You know, when the Lord returns, he's going to call his people away. Okay? Metaphorically, to call or invite to anything. Jesus used it as a call to repentance. The call of God, the call to any position, to be appointed, to be chosen, to call, to name, to give a name to any person or thing. Particularly, it's spoken as a proper name or a surname. What am I going to call you? They called him a Nazarene, for example. It's also passive in the sense of to be regarded, accounting it to be. So there's some calling that we have to do. Alright? Let's stop right there with that definition of that word. We're going to tie this all together now. But God has called us and part of that definition is come here. I want you for my kingdom. And the other part of it is he's called me a thing that is in me but not yet evident. But he called it he called me that thing as though it were evident. Because he knows. We're dealing with an all-knowing God, an omniscient God. The other part of this calling situation is that we have to call some things. What did Paul do? He chose to be a prisoner of Jesus Christ, not a prisoner of his problem, not a prisoner of Nero, not a prisoner of his circumstances. And he ties that right in together with walking worthy. Walking worthy doesn't mean perfect. It means process. It means learning how, you know, boy, I wish I wouldn't have treated that person this way. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish I wouldn't have done that. And so next time, Holy Spirit, help me to be more aware. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff we could say that's involved in this as a process of walking worthy of the vocation where which we're called, the kingdom to which we're called. And God calls us some things that are not yet evident. And God calls us all to a position within that kingdom, whether you want to call it the fivefold, or whether you're called to an administrative gift, or whether you're called to hospitality, or whether you're called to whatever, you have a call on your life, and so you have to walk worthy of that call. And in that process, you're going to be calling some things yourself. Now notice, I didn't say you're going to call people. But you're going to have to learn to call things that are not as though they were. I do have faith. I can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, consider myself a prisoner of Jesus Christ and not a prisoner of my circumstances. Even though right now you might be failing. Or it might not be evident. But you can do it. And you can do it because the grace of God empowers you to do it. And if you will lay aside excuses and lay aside your flesh wanting to scream out how it feels, 
If you will be crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live, but the life you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God. And don't frustrate that grace of God by putting yourself back under law, but walk in the grace of God. You will learn how, as Paul, to consider yourself a prisoner of Jesus Christ. We give ourselves wholeheartedly to the call of God on our lives. Understanding it is a grace God gives us, which also empowers us to complete our task. We invest in it by being studious as to how we can best perform the calling. And we invest in our calling by taking God at his word, by letting that flesh die letting self be crucified and believing and calling it that we have the power because of the Holy Spirit that we can, in fact, live that way. We can, in fact, walk that way in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we understand these things, you know, you'll be surprised at how some of the circumstances that you are right now faced with in your life will begin to make so much sense to you. Praise God. Some of those people that just rub you the wrong way and give you a, a problem and attention almost every single day of your life, you'll see them in a new light. You'll understand a little more of why God has you there. Praise God, because the Holy Spirit is all about transforming us into the image of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, thank you for this devotional message with this people today. God, I pray, I pray that you will bless each one under the sound of my voice. Bless them with your grace, God, in a greater measure today. God, bless us all with a greater measure of your grace teaching us to, uh, to deny ungodliness and to live righteous lives in Jesus Christ because of the cross and because of the blood that he shed. Father, empower us with the Holy Spirit to call forth those things that are not as though they were, especially when it comes to our behavior and our actions and heart attitudes. And Father, above all today, make every one of us the servant that you've called us to be, the prisoner that you've called us to be. And I'll ask it all, giving you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody would say, amen and amen. We are so thankful that you tuned in and we just love you so much. Please, please, please tell others about the programming. Tell others about the podcast. And until the next time that you and I can gather around the Word of God, this is Brother Paxton saying, go with God, and he will go with you.